Hello everyone and welcome back to the FPL Banger Show. My name is Siva, I'm joined by Sam and this is the Game Week 7 Preview. Sam, first of all, I think you owe me a massive thank you for two things. <laughs> Firstly, I told you to Captain Haaland, I told you Haaland would play. You were like, no Siva, he won't play. He played, he scored, you're welcome, right? Everybody who did it, you're welcome. And also, Arsenal came to United and we did Arsenal things. So Sam, you're welcome. Are you not happy as a United fan? My team has come to Old Trafford and done what they do every single time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, if there's one thing United likes is to stop Arsenal's uh, winning runs. But yeah, um, I was not really convinced up until this Arsenal match. So genuinely quite surprised. Although I do think if VAR uh, allowed that Arsenal goal, I think Arsenal probably just won it all the way. Overall, quite impressed with United now. Say it quietly, but actually considering some United assets into my team right now. Okay, big big steps. And since you brought it up, so let's discuss United assets. Our first question here. We have two questions here. From from Bearfather, what to do about United assets? And one here from Kanda. I can only do one transfer. Should I get in Reese James or Marcus Rashford? So let's talk about Rashford. Let's talk about the game a bit, right? I think at this stage, we can kind of say that this isn't just a blip, right? United are properly back. I guess your only concern here is, do you think that this is the kind of performance they can replicate? Because they've done it against Liverpool. They did it against Arsenal. But now they play Palace and Leeds. So can they do this against smaller teams? Can they sort of hit teams on the counter very quickly? Can Rashford break beyond the lines and score those goals? Or is this only going to happen against the big teams? Yeah, I think that's exactly my concern, right? So looking at Rashford in particular, um, against Arsenal, he you know he had two goals, one assist, big haul, but he only had two shots. So two chances on goals, both were counter-attacks. Pre, I don't know, what was it, 2021 Rashford, he always finishes counter-attack. Two goals from two shots, very impressive, 0.8 XG. Um, and then against Liverpool, he had a goal, 0.7 XG. But in between those games, right, they played Leicester, they played Southampton, which are supposedly defensively weaker teams. Um, against Leicester, he only had 0.2 XG. And against Southampton, he only had... No, he had 0 XG. <laughs> he took a shot, but it was off target against Southampton. He took two shots against Leicester, both off target as well. So zero shots on targets in those two games. It is a big concern for me uh, when it comes to weaker teams, which is why I'm not rushing to put Rashford into my team just yet. Yeah, I can sort of, I have similar feelings about it. I don't want to sort of downplay United's performance, really impressed. But if you look at some of the stats we have on the screen now, stats before the Anthony goal and after the Anthony goal. So before the Anthony goal, pretty level in XG with Arsenal, pretty level in possession as well, 50-50. But after the Anthony goal, 30% possession for United, 67 for Arsenal. That doesn't mean Arsenal were better. But I think what it means is that United, then once they got their first goal, they sat back and soaked up pressure. And that may be difficult to do against teams where the onus on you is to attack, like your Palaces and your Leeds, who also may not just operate the same way Arsenal did. Arsenal played a really high line. I would say naively high, right? They, especially with the second and third goals, Arsenal were just not disciplined. And I suspect that smaller teams, and we saw this with Southampton the week before, right? They aren't going to give United 
they get, they'll give space, but they're not going to concede that much space for United to run in behind. So maybe as excited as we are, and I, I think you should be because Rashford is not a 6.5 million asset at his best, right? He's 170 points when he's on form a season. So he's probably an 8 million, 9 million asset. So we can be excited, but at the same time, we don't have to get carried away. And I, I certainly don't think if I had to make a transfer this week, for me, Rashford's probably not my first choice, although I think he's a good transfer maybe down the line. Yeah, I agree completely. I'm still not really sold on um, United's attacking assets. However, I do like the defence. Before Arsenal games, two clean sheets in a row, I do like Dalo. He's been pretty good, I have to admit. And he's cheap, right? He's still... um, Is he 4.4? He got to 4.5 already. He's up to 4.5. Okay, yeah, so 4.5, still cheap, still cheap. Had already one assist and six bonus points. He got, in the two games we kept a clean sheet, he had maximum bonus points for both games. So I'm liking how Dalo looks. If there's one United asset, okay, it'll be Dalo. I'm in agreement with that. Definitely good for bonus. Uh, he does a lot of ball progression, all those basic stuff. Assist potential, his crosses are getting better. Uh, he got the assist against Southampton. So definitely, I think Dalo on wildcard especially, I will be considering. And in that vein, as we come to sort of wildcard, we had a question here about Gabriel Jesus. So another player in this game who very highly owned, but he is no longer the most highly owned player. That now goes to Haaland. But we had two questions here. One from Till798. Sell Jesus for Metro. Think it's time to jump on Fulham before the break. FPL Hafiz, should I sell Jesus or keep Jesus or sell to Metro, Tony and Isaac? So Sam, you don't own Jesus. I do. Maybe we can give two different perspectives here. You not owning Jesus at the start of the season, I thought you were insane. But six weeks in, you've missed one big haul against Leicester. But apart from that, not... I mean, I do you think the damage has been that bad? Because all these other guys are doing pretty well, right? Yeah, yeah. I think if I kept my original team, um, those of you who were listening earlier on the season, I took a minus eight in game week two. Got rid of KDB and Kane, who both hauled <laughs> in game week two. Um, so if I kept that team... Kept the faith in my picks and, uh, you know, I, I would have been okay without Jesus. And even so, I think I've been pretty alright. Mitro has been returning, you know, pretty well for me almost every week, right? The only week he didn't, um, was the week before I got him in, the week he missed the pen, but he scored in almost every, in every other week bar that week. So I, as a non-Jesus owner, I think it's alright to sell Jesus, but, Maybe bias. So, Siva, what's your take on this? Well, I see a lot of comments uh, on Reddit and Twitter, like, how dare you sell Jesus before Everton? This is such a good fixture, right? And once you start looking at underlying stats, which we try to look at from time to time, you'll see that uh, as an XG value, uh, Jesus is probably one of the higher ones, right? You've got, uh, I think he's third highest for XGI, which is what we have on the table here. So top 10 for XG, he's doing well. But... A lot of that XG did also come against Leicester. In the United game, he had, I think it's less than 0.1 XG. He just didn't really threaten. And coming down the line, is Everton at home and Brentford away a really good fixture? I think it's a fine fixture. It's okay. These are not home bankers. People got to stop looking at the FDR rating and, uh, you know, it's green. Stop looking at projected points and all that. Think about it. Everton kept Liverpool out last week. Did they do that by luck? A bit of luck, but it's also a really good performance. Pickford, Onana, Gay, Tarkovsky, Cody. There's a solid structure there from Everton. 
And everything Everton did, everything United did against Arsenal, Everton are going to do to Arsenal as well. They're going to try and hit us on the counter. They've got speed now. Gordon's playing pretty well. They've got a striker in Mope. They're going to try and sit back, soak up pressure, and try and hit us on the counter. So I'm not saying that Jesus is an immediate sell. I don't think I will sell this week. But I wouldn't be afraid to sell, if that makes sense. I, I don't think these are the easiest fixtures in the world. And I think if you want to bank on Mitrovic, who has scored in every game, except for the one where he missed a pen. So he could have scored in every single game. I think that's fine. Mitrovic plays Chelsea. A Chelsea coming back from UCL midweek. A Chelsea that have conceded the second highest goals from set pieces. And Mitrovic is a set piece threat. So all these things. And Mitrovic plays Forrest next week. And Forrest suck. I mean, they've spent 150 million. They're playing their center backs. Okay, so they spent 150 million. Their starting center backs against Bournemouth were Worrell, McKenna, and Cook. Yeah, these these are random names, right? Never heard of them. They're all championship level center backs, and they got done by Bournemouth 3 2. Lost to City 6 0. Even if he gets in all the new signings before the Fulham game in Game 8, the fact is for us, they're just not a gel team, right? So Mitrovic has got two great fixtures. Isaac plays Bournemouth. Isaac did very well against Palace. Good XG, didn't score, but he scored against Liverpool the previous week. A lot of stuff in there, but I think long story short, if you want to sell Jesus, I wouldn't be afraid. And I don't think you should stress too much because someone on Twitter says, he's got really good XG, you have to hold on to him. Okay. <laughs> no, no, Sorry, could... nothing to add, Siva. Yeah, were you waiting for me to reply? I, I, thought I have you... nothing to add. Okay, uh, so I left you speechless. All right, let's... Talking about Jesus, right? And talking about removing Jesus, I think that is the sign of the first cracks and the template starting to appear, right? The wildcard talk is increasing now because a lot of these template players are maybe not performing up to the standard we hoped. Some people are really happy with their template teams. They like the fact uh, that they have Chelsea, triple Chelsea, triple Liverpool, triple Arsenal, and they think that's fine forever. Good for you. For me, it's not. And I think what people sort of are forgetting is that UCL has already started this week. you got Champions League, you got Europa League. The rotation has already begun, right? Trent was taken off at 50 minutes against Everton. And that's going to keep happening. So we kind, I think we you know, need to start looking at wildcard. If, like me, you're not too thrilled about certain aspects of your team, I think you should think about it. And I want to talk about which weeks you should look at. We're not going to look at game week 12 onwards. Some other pods will do that. I think we're going to try and focus on what's in the near sort of future, which is what we can predict, I think. So I think there are three main features here. Game week 9, game week 8, game week 7. So game week, just to give everybody an idea, game week 8 and game week 9, in between there, there's an international break of two weeks. So that's why game week 9 is kind of popular for wildcarders. Game week 8, on the other hand, has a lot of fixture swings. You can see there, you know, a lot of teams have good fixtures. We spoke about Fulham. Spurs play Leicester. Newcastle play Bournemouth. Liverpool play Chelsea. So something to think about. And then game week 7 again. Quite similar. Like a wildcard in game week 7 should not be that different from a game week 8 wildcard because the same teams have good fixtures with one or few exceptions. We talked about Arsenal v Everton, then you got Liverpool v Wolves. Sam, where would you be looking to wildcard in this window and why? Ah, spoiler alert, but I've already wildcarded. So this week, that is my answer. Of course, wildcards are really team dependent, right? Depends on who you have in your team, how many players you want to take out, blah, blah, blah. Like if I had a team I'm really happy with, high up in the ranks, scoring every week. I would not wildcard in Game Week 8 just to so-called catch the fixture swings. Um, they're all de- team-dependent. I'm not happy with my team. I have at least four or five players I want to take out. Three maybe high priority and the rest are kind of just optimizing the teams. So I feel it's a good week this week 
um, especially with the start of Champions League, uh, keeps you flexible, right? Because if any changes to your team, you can just um, make the changes before the game week starts in the weekend. So I, for me, for my team at least, wildcard this week. Yeah, so I think it's important to remember that wildcard really isn't as big a deal. First wildcard, usually is such a huge deal for all of us. This season, you play up to game week 16, then you have the World Cup. You get unlimited transfers during the World Cup, and then you come back, and you still have another wildcard beyond that. So you're only playing up to game week 16. So the room to maneuver and the use of a wildcard, the value of a wildcard, everybody will agree. Even the most analytical person will agree that it's not as useful as it's been in previous years. So I think if you go early, it's not a big deal. You're going game week 7. I'm pretty settled on game week 8. For me, the reason being is that I think if you look at this window we have here, so this FDR chart is from live FPL. Look at Liverpool's fixtures. Wolves this week, then it's Chelsea, Brighton, Arsenal, City. For me, if you can ever bet against Liverpool and they're already not as good as they've been in previous seasons, this is the time to do it. You've got four bad fixtures, I would say, on paper. Arsenal, obviously, we spoke about Spurs, Liverpool, Leeds, City from 8, 9 to 12. Then you look at Chelsea. On paper, everybody thinks you've got to have triple Chelsea on a wild card. Maybe if you go in game week 9, but I think Liverpool and Palace in 8 and 9 are not great. I think Wolves at home. I'm going to disagree with most people. I don't think Wolves is actually an easy fixture. I think it's an okay fixture for defense, but not for attack. And then Villa away. Okay, that's probably decent. So by that point, I'd want to circle back to Chelsea. But look at Spurs fixtures, right? You get Leicester at home this week. Leicester awful. So for me, I'm thinking eight. You're thinking seven. I think enough about that. Let's just talk about Salah. Now, do you keep Salah on a wildcard? So we have these stats here. And this is from Crayfish FPL. And he posted this. We retweeted it. It's really cool. You can see the progression of XG and XA for Salah since 2020 up to now. And you can sort of see there's a curve upwards. You can sort of see that middle part is where we all owned him at the start of last season. And he was amazing and scored every week. And he sort of come back down. And it's not that he's doing badly, but he's just not doing as well as he used to. So on wildcard, Sam, do you keep Salah or no? So I've seen two arguments, uh, two schools of thought for this, right? Um, one side says sell Salah because it's just not worth his price tag anymore. Part of the reason why we are okay with paying um, 13 mil for Salah, or we have been, you know, for the past few seasons, is because he's been the most consistent captain option, right? When in doubt, Captain Salah. Um, not really working this season, or not really working since um, the end of FCON, right? Last season, up until now. And plus, we have Haaland now, who seems like <laughs> he probably will be the permanent cap for most teams uh, moving forward. So then, is Salah still really worth his price tag? Um, especially in a season like this. So as you mentioned, um, UCL is starting. I think, if I'm not mistaken... Um, the top teams, right? So all the teams that play UCL have a midweek fixture every single week up until the World Cup. So that means loads of rotation. Um, so there is a case that said maybe we should have more mid-table teams, right? Uh, more more players from, you know, Metro, Tony, guys like this who will start every single game because um, they don't have Europe. So yeah, so that's one side. Sell Salah, spread out the cash, will need it this year, stronger bench and things like that. The other school of thought is saying, well, if you sell Salah, who are you going to get? And it's true. As someone who activated my wildcard this week, I have no idea what to do with all my money. Um, 
Yeah, because none of the other premium options are really... I mean, apart from Haaland, who everyone has. Kane's been all right. Sun, not been scoring. Although I would say he's been unlucky, right? I think a, a Sun haul is coming soon, but I'm not going to jump the gun on it. Um, Sterling... I did consider Sterling for a bit, but then that last game really put me off. I mean, he had zero shots. Zero XG, zero shots. The last game... That was uh, it's terrible. So not so convinced by Sterling anymore. Chelsea as a whole. Uh, and then there's KDB, minutes risk. So who are you going to get if you sell Salah? So it is a big question. So the argument is that since there is no one else to get, and with all these cheaper options, you can afford to keep Salah in your team. You know, he's not the worst option to have. Um, you can keep Salah and still get all the cheaper players. So two schools of thought. Personally, I went for the no Salah team. So I sold Salah in mine. But I, I see the validity of both arguments, you know. Diplomatic answer, but <laughs> UN answer. <laughs> let's let's look at your wildcard team. But first I, I mean just wanna talk about teams you can target, right? So we talked about we spoke about Salah, and I'm in agreement with you. He's not at the level where he is so bad. He's not Bruno Fernandez last season, let's put it that way, right? He's not a must sell, useless FPL asset. He's just not as good as he's been previous seasons. And the fear is no longer there because he's not the majority captain anymore. Even in a good week like this week, he's a 50-50 shout at best. Most people, half of the people are still going to go for Haaland. So his whole potential is there, but it's no longer as dangerous as it once was when his EO was 150%, 200%. Now, so like I'm with you. I'm probably going without because I see an opportunity to try and go somewhere else. But I'm not convinced, like you. The, the other premiums are not really standing up and putting up their hands and saying, look, I'm better than Salah. Except for Haaland, who's on a different level. But thinking of teams to target a wildcard, and I took this from FPL Chase. Who, it's a really cool graphic. You should check it out. And he's looked at shots placed, shots conceded by teams in the first six weeks. And we've got Bournemouth, Leicester and Forest. And I think these are three teams, especially Bournemouth and Leicester, because Forest did sign a lot of players. Maybe they gel eventually. Bournemouth and Leicester have really signed nobody and they're conceding a lot of shots in a lot of dangerous areas. And so I look at this and I think when you come to fixtures, right? Bournemouth play Brighton this week. So people got Pascal Gross, right? You can get Trossard in, you know, Leicester play Villa. Leon Bailey, Sam, he's coming back, right? He scored against City, okay? They play Spurs in game week eight. And then down the line, you even have Forest playing Leeds, Fulham. So Leeds this week, Sinistera, I think is a decent shout. I think I saw him on your wildcard. And then Leicester, if they get better down the line against Forest. So coming to your wildcard, Sam, I'm just going to read out the team and then maybe you can just sort of run through the picks, right? So this is your current wildcard draft for this week. Pope and Trippier, James, Cancelo, Martinelli, Sinistera, Gross, De Bruyne, Darwin, Haaland, and Mitrovic. On the bench of Darlow, Webster, and Reed. Just talk me through the team in general and what are the players who are likely not to make the draft and likely to make the final draft? Um, I think almost everyone here uh, will probably be at my final draft. So Pope, Trippier, I think, you know, Newcastle solid, great run of fixtures coming up. Cancelo still not, maybe not justifying his price tag, but once I sell Salah, I have so much money, so who cares about that? He's still the, the top scoring um, defender right now. Uh, plus Walker's injured. James as well, the attacking potential, I'm just purely leaving him in um, just for that, right? Um, still got a high ceiling. 
Dalo, Webster. So like I said, you know, maybe a stronger bench. Um, plus they're both cheap anyway. Both of them are 4.5. Um, yeah. Then in the midfield, I've Gross, I've Sinistera, who I think look really good. Two goals now in two games, right? Yep. Um, and from the eye test, it looks like he's the furthest player forward. The only concern is his minutes. I don't think he's played past... Um, 60. 70, yeah, plus 60 minutes. So it keeps getting subbed around there. Hopefully, you know, it's just fitness and, you know, he builds it up. Martinelli, of course, has to stay. And the one I'm not sure about is De Bruyne. Right now, he's in my team, but remains to be seen. Up top, Mitro still in my team. Of course, can't take him out. Fix your proof. Haaland, of course, same. Um, and then Darwin, who I thought looked really good despite the fact that Leopold didn't score, right? Um, he had a few good chances. Um, pretty high XG too, I think. Let me bring it up. He had an XG of 0.4. Decent. Six shots, two shots on target. Um, and I think to go for Darwin now is kind of uh, getting him in ahead of the curve. Because I think he will really explode. The only concern is minutes because um, Jota is coming back. Firmino has, you know, did all right while, while Darwin was out. So there is a bit of a concern there. But if he doesn't start midweek in Champions League, then I'm happy to keep him in. So basically the ones I'm really considering is Darwin or Kane. Kane as well has looked pretty good. Kind of fixture-proof. Plus, we all know the big teams are not as defensively solid. So, is a bad fixture really that bad of a fixture for an attacker? Um, so, yeah. Kane, Kane or Darwin. And then De Bruyne or Sterling. I know I didn't um, say some really good stuff about him earlier on. But he has good fixtures coming up. So, attacking-wise at least. Or, I don't know, who else is there, right, in midfield? Could go down, and then, but then what do I do with all the money? <laughs> so that's the concern now. But, yeah, this is basically the wildcard team. I, I like it. And I don't think you need to spend all your money on a wildcard. I mean, it, that's the mindset. It's always been, you've got to spend so much. But this year, the prices are so cheap. I don't think a 100 million squad, just by being 100 million, is going to be better than a 90 million squad. Right? You ask everybody who went for Saka over Martinelli, how do they feel now? Right? It's, so prices yeah. are not, they are just artificial I, numbers. I actually have 1 million um, in the bank from that team. So, yeah. And if I downgrade the Bryner, I really do. <laughs> no, keep 3 mil in the bank. Double up Gross and Trossard. You could. I don't know. Um, yeah, I could. And then I have, what, 6 million in the bank? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes as it gets closer to the deadline. I think things will change, you know, once uh, we see who plays midweek and, and things like that. So okay. let's see. Yeah, we're recording before Champions League. And so Champions League is one of the reasons. I guess, annoyingly, my draft is pretty similar to yours, Sam. So mine is my Game Week 8 wildcard draft. You may have seen it already. Pope, Trippier, Trent, Cancelo, Perisic, Rashford, Kulusevsky, De Bruyne, Mitrovic, Isaac, Haaland. It may be slightly different from yours. You you don't trust United still, and I wanted to have Rashford for Leeds. I thought that'd be cool. And also maybe even against City, you know, because on the break, United, all that stuff. But most importantly, I think it's about price points, right? I think the players here, because Sam, said, you said this a few weeks ago, right? All your wildcard teams look beautiful when you, you know, before you actually get into the week, right? And then, and then stuff happens. But 
what's important here is you hit the price points. Keeper, everybody's going to go for Pope, I think, or Wildcard, but you can always downgrade to Sanchez later on if you need to. Cancelo, no real arguments here. Trent, debatable, but can go down to Reese James, right? Parasic can come down to a 4 million defender, like a Fofana or somebody. Trippier, I think everybody will have. KDB, if you're not thrilled about KDB, go down to Sun, go up to Salah, that's fine. Kulisevsky can go down to Zaha. Rashford can go back to Martinelli. Isaac and Mitrovic, you've got Solanke, Tony, Bamford's back fit. The ECL's coming back in a few weeks. Then Haaland up top. I think you can hit all the price points. So there's really no, as long as you've got the right structure, I wouldn't really stress too much. Like if you see a certain pick, you had Sinistera, like one or two guys who really want to go for, I don't see the huge risk in doing that. Agreed completely, I think. Um, yeah, I'm not agreeing with some of your picks, but, <laughs> but I agree with the, what you said, you know. Um, Wildcats always look good. We always play the fixtures. It all looks great. Like, whoa, they got my players are going to score big. Things may change once the game starts. But like you said, if you have the price point, you will have the flexibility to move between the assets. So, so yeah. yeah. And I mean, I didn't put my bench here, but yeah, I, I would have three players on the bench who actually play. Like, a Bailey is 4.7. Get him, right? Andres Pereira is 4.6. Uh, you've got so many defenders. Neko Williams, Patterson are both 4.1. Get playing players. Like this week, I had Gross on my bench. Brought him in and took Paris out. That helps a lot. Otherwise, every week, somebody gets injured, somebody gets rotated, you're making a transfer. Let's get into captaincy, Sam. I think we sort of covered Wildcard in enough detail. I'm sure we'll come back to it again next week once your Wildcard smashes it and you get, you know, top 10k rank or something. Captaincy. We both went Harlan um, last week you eventually came around, right? Which I'm happy to see. And even the nerds are starting to come around. Today I saw a chart, I think, on Twitter about how projected points for Haaland are finally getting closer to Salah. So even the nerds, the geeks, are sort of seeing the light, right? Haaland's just on a different level. But they still haven't done it this week. These are projected points from FPL Review. And Salah's still ahead of Haaland. Everybody says this is such a good fixture. So you tell me, Sam, is Wolves home for Salah so much better than Haaland at home to Spurs? No, I I think it's, like I said, have, no team looks solid defensively. Not City, not Spurs, not Salah. Maybe, I mean, Wolves have kept three clean sheets, if I'm not mistaken. So, and that's the most any team has kept, right? Um, even City kept three. So, they're just as good, maybe. I still will captain Haaland if he doesn't place midweek. If he plays 90 midweek, then I would be worried, right? Um, back-to-back 90s. And uh, so, yeah. But if he doesn't play or gets very little minutes in midweek, then I would very confidently captain Haaland. If he gets significant minutes, then I would not so confidently still captain Haaland, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing about Haaland is he's the EO captain now. I mean, you forget about Twitter. He was the EO captain last week and he's going to keep being... Because, I mean, you talk to your friends. Who am I captaining? Harding Haaland. He's scoring goals. He scores hat-tricks every week. No one's going to... So the risk of going against Haaland is becoming greater. I don't... Look, we're doing this before UCL, so we don't know what's going to happen, right? But I don't think Pep is going to say, I'm resting Haaland for Spurs so I can play him against Sevilla, right? Like He spoke about this last week in an interview before the Villa game. When he was asked about Haaland's recovery, are you worried about it? And he said, if he was 32, yes, but he's 22, so I'm fine. I think 
the pattern that we've seen, Haaland played 90 minutes against Villa and Newcastle. Both games which City didn't win. So when they need him to play, he plays. And when they're winning, which is usually because he scored a bunch of goals, he comes off. So I think you can go for Haaland against Spurs and I'm sticking with Haaland against Spurs. I don't see enough from Liverpool to justify going over there. Not bad. Salah hit the post last week, so I was a bit annoyed, a bit scared about that. But he played right wing back for half of the second half, right? Once Trent came off. So I'm not stressed. Haaland's the main yeah, guy. Yeah, there is a positional aspect to it, I think, in which if you watch the games, you would see he's playing really out wide for most of the games. Doesn't cut in to shoot as much as he used to. So, so yeah. Haaland, I think, maybe Mitro. He hasn't, hasn't not scored yet. <laughs> You've got a lot of options here. Why not, you know, Tony against Southampton, Tony Hattrick. Tony takes free kicks now. What the heck, man? And he gave an interview saying, oh, yeah, the lads have been laughing at me in training because I keep skying them out. But this time I showed them who's boss and I took... <laughs> I really am annoyed by Tony because not only has he figured out a way to score goals without Ericsson, he's become Ericsson. He started taking free kicks. <laughs> his, his, his third goal was amazing. So Tony, wildcard, right? Plays 90 minutes every week. Trossard against Bournemouth. Trossard was really good. Even, even Alexis McAllister, I thought Penn Merchant, but then he scores like a banger, which is disallowed, scored a free kick. If you're not going Salah and Haaland, do you, okay, you said Mitrovic against Chelsea. I'm going to ignore you there, although he's probably going to score anyway. <laughs> Picture proof. Anybody else you'd consider here as a sort of differential? Not really, I think. Bamford Sterling. Bamford, does he start? No, he didn't start last week, right? Nah, he, came sure on, if he's gonna start. he came on and yeah. managed to clear the goal, clear a ball off the Brentford goal line, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, so Sterling not impressive. De Bruyne, if you're not captain De Bruyne, you might as well captain Haaland, right? Um, Arsenal guys, not really. Yeah, there's no one. There's no one. People keep saying Jesus captain against, okay, we talked about Jesus at the start of the pod, right? But Jesus cap against Everton. I don't know, maybe, am I being, I don't know, maybe this is the fan aspect, right? Fans always negative. You keep saying don't buy United players and <laughs> I keep, you know, being pessimistic about Arsenal. But I'm not seeing Jesus' captaincy against Everton like, this is a fixture, we're going to smash them 7-0. Like, they literally played so well against Liverpool. They should have scored. Mopi had so many chances. They defended well. Cody had that disallowed goal. Like, I don't feel like we're going to smash them. So I, I'm not seeing why Jesus' cap is that popular. Yeah, I think Everton has looked pretty solid. Um, you know, now they play with a back five. They have solid defensive midfielders. So I don't think they're as easy a fixture as people think. I'm in agreement. So basically, we're capping Haaland. Easy. I think this will become a much shorter section each week as we go along. Right? <laughs> Just be one second. Cap Haaland, yeah. Move on. Anything else, Sam? Oh, that's it. I'm good. Excited for my wildcard, so let's see how this plays out. Yeah, I, I will be disappointed if you don't come back with 500k green arrow, okay? <sighs> I need it, man. I'm only ranked 3 mil, I think. So, so yeah. far behind. You got, but <laughs> rank is really not relevant. I, I, I was looking at Late Rises rank a few weeks ago, right? Late Rise, everybody knows him. He was 1.6 mil. He's up to 600k already, and he's like 10 points off 500k in two weeks. He, just from that Rashford Hall, like, you should not stress about rank at this stage. Honestly, just take it week by week. Look at rank in game week 19 or something. Then you care about it. Okay, that's it, guys. So get those green arrows. And we'll see you next week.